Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball, pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, here we go. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today. It is Monday. It is July 15th. We are ready to rock and roll. I am Adam Azer with Heath Cummings and with Scott White. Welcome back from your weekend, guys. Uh, how's, how's fantasy baseball treating you so far this week? Okay. Well, this week. This extended week. But, uh, no, you know, the whole, we're off to a good start after the break, I would say. Yeah. Uh, although, I should point out that if you looked at my top 10 sleeper pitchers for the shortened week 16, if you happen to play in a league that uses the short week, it was ba- it, it bas- I would have basically been better off not writing it because every single one of them had a bad start. I think except for my number 10 pick, Brett Anderson. He had a pretty good start. But yeah, that was that was one of those where you look back on it and think, man, I just I did people more harm than good with that one. Which is why, by the way, I'm not particularly fond of one start sleepers as a general rule. Well, okay, but here's the thing about the one start sleepers for this previous three days. Like almost every pitcher that pitched, not that's an exaggeration, but many, many of the pitchers that pitched over the weekend are high-end pitchers. So it happened to be a really bad week for one-star streamers. The one guy I recommended was Danny Duffy. I saw his line at like 3 in the morning on Saturday morning, and I was like, oh, crap, I gave terrible advice. But it turns out he was actually pitching very well, and then he bruised his hand. (laughs) No, this is true. This is a legit excuse. We are off the hook on Danny Duffy. He was pitching well. He hurt his hand. He stayed in the game. And he struggled, and then he finally was removed. But we are blaming the injury for that one, Scott. You are off the hook for uh, Danny Duffy. It, yeah, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not sure that's going to fly with people who picked him up for that one and only start. But it's not our fault. Just keep telling yourself that. Whatever helps you sleep at night. Hey, Heath, I didn't hurt his hand. I, I, I got nothing to do with, with that. Yeah, I won my only matchup that so was a three-day week. It's in one of Scott's leagues, so I'm happy. It's okay. a good week. I'm still out of the playoffs in that league, but there's only... Seven teams for six spots to have a chance, so hopefully I'll get one of them. Okay, great. And I would have won almost every week if I had played the short week, but I'm not playing any short weeks, so I'm sure it will end up being a horrible decision on my part. Now we have hitters and pitchers to add. Uh, we've I don't know if we'll get the emails today, but we certainly will throughout the week. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. I'm pretty excited about the pitcher that I'm looking to add. In fact, I'll get into it later. Uh, and all right, let's start. Heath, who you got? Give me a hitter to add. Uh, in the um, in the words of the immortal Lil John, get low, Nate Low, <laughs> red hot over the weekend, <laughs> eight hits. And uh, listen, he is someone we were excited about at the beginning of the year. He came up earlier, got sent back down. I'm not so sure that he won't get sent back down again at some point. But for right now, I think you should add him and probably start him in most leagues. Yeah, and he started against three straight lefties. And Nate Lowe is 29% owned. He's batting 299 with five home runs. He's been decent against lefties. He's three for 15 with two home runs. It's a 200 batting average, but, you know, it's not bad. And since, yeah, since being recalled on July 4th, batting 345 with five home runs. So that was actually the, the hitter I had in the hitter to add section. Scott, how about you? Nate Lowe for me and Heath. Anyone for you? 
Yeah, actually, another Ray who I might even be more excited about than Nate Lowe, who I, I think could stick around. Uh, G-Man Choi is, you know, he just came back, but Lowe's been getting more consistent playing time. Um, Mike Brasso, who is, as of now, only 9% owned in CBS Sports Leagues. He started, uh, I think, looks like four of the five of the last six games for the Rays. Actually, you go back even further than that. He's He's been playing close to every day at either second or third base, and he homered three times over the weekend. This is a guy who I had never heard of before uh, 4th of July weekend. That was when his name first came across my radar, Mike Brasso. But you look at what he did in the minors this year between AA and AAA. So, uh, no, it was actually all at AAA. He had 317 with 15 home runs and a 998 OPS. Uh, in a way, I can kind of understand how he's 9% owned because he is such a no-name. And uh, who really needs another second and third baseman? You have to be in a pretty league, deep league, too, probably. But I think you should pick him up if you have if you play in one of those deep leagues or you have a need because, uh, you know, playing time might get iffy with Brandon, Loke, Brandon Lau coming off the IL next week, probably. But... I do think there's room for all of them if the Rays want to go with a more consistent lineup. Maybe stick Lau at DH or something like that. Okay. So that's weird. We have two Rays players that are widely available. Nate Lowe at 29% owned and Brasso at 9% owned, I think Scott said. So uh, go ahead and think about these guys. Uh, I was thinking about dropping Jay Bruce for Nate Lowe. Would you guys do that? Unfortunately, Nate Lowe is already owned in the league in which I was going to do it. But hypothetically, would you drop Jay Bruce for Nate Lowe? You can find I, Jay I Bruce anywhere. Do it. Okay, cool. Mm, okay. You would not. Scott disagrees. Scott, Scott says no. No, I wouldn't. I mean, Jay Bruce has been, I think, more productive than people give him credit for. and Especially since joining the Phillies. He's been, I don't know if he's slowed down recently, but yeah, I know his like point per game average is still very high. He has slowed down quite a bit. In fact, if you look at his... Uh, fantasy point total, it's pretty bad. Uh, how about this? Four games. Four games ago, he had a stretch of three homers and yeah, two days. great. That was pretty. That was it. So Jay Bruce, <laughs> he has had three good fantasy weeks in terms of points all season long. Yeah. Three weeks all year with more than seventeen fantasy points. That's weird. Because uh, I thought he was a little bit more productive, but when you, I, I don't know when you have him on your team, it's like God, you're not really that productive, dude. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, let's go to the pitchers to add. Right, I'm excited, guys. I found the fountain of youth. And I'm the youngest one on the podcast when Chris isn't here. Daniel Ponce de Leon is 28% owned. And all this guy does when he starts is pitch well. Six and two-thirds, one run, seven strikeouts against Arizona on Friday. Uh, he has a 199 ERA. Ponce de Leon has 38, 38 Ks to 11 walks and 31 and two-thirds. Last year as a starter, he had a 279 ERA. With 22 strikeouts and 19 and a third. He's got the Pirates this week on Wednesday. He's got every chance, Daniel Ponce de Leon, to stick in the Cardinals rotation. I added him in three leagues. Who else is excited about Ponce de Leon? Yeah, normally when you get to be 27 years old and you haven't really accomplished anything in the major leagues, I'm pretty skeptical. But it seems like he may have discovered, uh, he may have discovered something here. <laughs> Strikeouts are up. Very good. 
Uh, yeah, it's, it's mildly exciting. I would rather add, like, if you're asking me for one pitcher to add and we're using the 70% cutoff, I would much rather add Dylan Cease than I would Daniel Ponce de Leon. Uh, Cease still mm-hmm. 68% owned. But uh, I think that's a fine, he's a fine name to throw out there. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. So Waka's going back to the bullpen. Is that how they're, is yeah. that how they're keeping punts? That's okay. that's what it seems for now. I mean, look, if he's if he's terrible on Wednesday, things could change. But he's clearly a better fantasy option well, than just, Michael Waka. They, they have enough bad pitchers to do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Waka's the one I, I believe right now going back to the bullpen. Um. So so that's my guy right now. He he went up twenty percent. He went up from like. 8% to 28% over the weekend once the news came out and he had that good start on Friday. Anyway, Scott, who are you picking up? Which pitcher are you going for? Well, first I want to point out this stat on Jay Bruce because he has averaged more fantasy points per game this year than Jose Abreu, Daniel Vogelbach, Trey Mancini. Um, He's not playing. Yeah, some, then some first baseman that we think of as must start. So... He's not playing. Uh, I know he wasn't playing regularly in Seattle, but he has been for Philadelphia. So I'm still, I don't know. He sat, he uh, sat against the most recent lefty they face. He doesn't face every not, lefty. Not the one before that. Not the one before that. You know, come on. But the let's, one before that not... and the one before that. He probably sits against 50% <laughs> of lefties. They hadn't faced a lot of lefties lately. I don't know. Look, I, I mean, the, the thing is, I'm just, if you go to his player page, and this is, a, this is a tool that I actually use a lot. CBSSports.com slash MLB slash players. You go to a guy's player page, you can see his fantasy point by week. His fantasy points by week. Uh, it's bad. It's just, it's just not usable. If you're in a daily league, maybe it's different. But I, that, I don't know what to say to that points per game thing. It's a pretty interesting stat. But uh, he's hitting 235, well, and he just hasn't been that productive. I, I will say, like, over the last 28 days, he's the number 25 first baseman in fantasy. In points. What is he in Roto? I, maybe maybe he's better in that format. I'll look for that. I, I would say he's probably a little better, but, like, for the season, he's right around number 20 to 25 in points. He's, he's not... It's not bad at first base. I mean, look at... Consider who you have ranked in the 20 to 25 range at first base. It's guys hey, Bruce. who... Well... He's uh, probably, I mean, Trey Mancini's probably pretty close to 20th for me. He's 23rd in Roto over the last 28 days. Look, yeah, no, that's fine. Top 20. But I, the question was not, is Jay Bruce bad? The question was, would you drop him for Nate Lowe? And that's where we split. Yeah. He said yes. Scott said no. I was going to do it. Whatever. Scott, who's the pitcher to add? So my favorite two-start sleeper this week is Michael Pineda, who since coming back from the IL in uh, May, I believe it was, he's throwing harder. And his uh, his changeup has been more effective. Changeup's always been the third pitch he's struggled to develop. Uh, but probably getting more differentiation on the fastball has helped. And his numbers since then are pretty good. I mean, good enough that even if it wasn't a two-start week, I'd probably consider adding Michael Pineda. He's up to 74% ownership, got picked up in a lot of leagues over the weekend, but uh, I was contributing to that. Yep. Okay, great. Yeah, I mean, uh, Pineda, Mets and A's this week. We didn't really talk about two-star pitchers at all, actually, on Friday. We usually do. 
but rotations were a little iffy, and a lot of people were playing a long week. So Pineda is a good one to add. Uh, maybe we should take a look at it now. Dylan Cease at Kansas City and at Tampa Bay. Is that your guy, Heath? Yes, 100%. Okay. Anyone else? How are we feeling about Alex Young? It's kind of a rough schedule. Uh, at Texas and home against Milwaukee. No, thank you. Still seems kind of gimmicky to me. His numbers were so bad at AAA. Just the fact that he leads with a breaking ball, I think, is throwing major league hitters for a loop the first couple outings here. But I don't, I don't expect it to last. How about Bryce Wilson at 13% owned at Milwaukee and home against Washington? Uh, we uh, had a choice in uh, the For the People League, which is, we are in a major battle with you guys for the last spot yeah. in the playoffs, I believe. <laughs> yeah. uh, and we have three mediocre Braves starting pitchers on our team in that league, and we sat him for Dallas Keuchel and Max Freed. So I'm not starting him in a 16-team league. Bryce Wilson. Okay, okay. Well, right now, Scam is at 5-4-1 and one for the week. Kreeth is at 5-5. Five and five. So you better watch out, my man. And hey, we're up like, I think we're up three or four games on you for the seven seeds. So exciting. how many teams make the playoffs? Seven? Seven. Okay, out of 16. It's very strange, by the way. Uh, Scott decided <laughs> that we're punting saves, in, which hasn't really worked out because Wade Davis is actually having a very good week, of course. But uh, Scott decided, yeah, we're not yeah. going. We have Iglesias. Well, when your closers and, are. Wade Do you have Davis any relievers at all? We have Wade Davis and Rysel yeah. Iglesias, but we just sat there. No, I mean starting. Yes. Yeah, we have two relievers starting. We have uh, Gallegos and um, Sam Dyson. That was a good call because oh. he gave up four runs yeah, outing this week, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the problem is a lot of times I feel like when you try to when you decide you're punting saves, you end up punting ERA and whip as well. Well, that's like whenever I go, yeah, and this is why I've had a hard time going with the reliever heavy strategy because when I find a reliever, okay, this guy has good numbers. Like the numbers quickly turn very bad. Like I know that happened to me in one league with Trey Wingenter, the Padres reliever. You know who like you guys could use? You could Taylor really Rogers. use Taylor Rogers. Yes, yes, yes. Of course we could use Taylor Rogers. <laughs> um, you know who else we could use? Denelson Lamette. Denelson Lamette is a one-start pitcher this week. He's at Miami, and I think there's a, you know, a good possibility for a good start. He has made two starts so far. Denelson Lamette has gone five innings in both of them. He gave up four runs against Atlanta uh, in his most recent start, three of them in the first inning. He gave up three runs at the Dodgers in his first start, but he struck out seven in both starts. And look, Danel Salamet has faced arguably the top two lineups in the National League in his first two starts, the Dodgers and the Braves. Uh, I do think innings are going to be an issue. I think you're going to get a lot of five-inning starts, but I think you can do worse than Danel Salamet at Miami this week. He is 66% owned. Today's sponsor, if you want to go see Danel Salamet at the Marlins... You know, the $10 discount you could get on SeatGeek, I don't, like, you could probably buy $5 seats for that game. So I don't know that you need it for that game. But I am going to probably go to a Yankees-Rays game this week, and I'm going to use SeatGeek. And if you haven't used it, use the promo code FANTASY for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Fantasy. You'll hear more about SeatGeek in a little bit. Golf. We love golf. I don't actually love golf, but a lot of you love golf. And the fourth and final golf. Heath loves golf. You love golf, right, Heath? Love hate relationship okay uh the fourth and final golf major of 2019 is here and the first cut podcast is set to break down the open championship all week long that's the first cut podcast with kyle porter mark immelman and chip patterson they'll have you covered with a preview podcast on tuesday and post round analysis after round two on friday 
and following the final round on Sunday. So subscribe to the First Cut podcast for coverage at or co- coverage of Royal Portrush. I hope I said that correctly all week. You guys watched Wimbledon yesterday? It was pretty sweet. I did not. Tennis is mega boring. Tennis makes baseball look fun, but it was really good. It was excellent. Uh, All right, the big news. Perhaps the two best players in fantasy are both injured right now. Max Scherzer's on the IL with a back strain, and Mike Trout's going to have an MRI on his calf. They keep saying it's precautionary. It's no big deal. But he's having. I want to apologize yeah. to all of the listeners and Mike Trout owners out there. Is this it? I I about a week and a half ago, <laughs> I wasn't going to be on the podcast for a couple of days, so I moved Mike Trout to number one overall <laughs> for the rest of the season, all but ensuring he would suffer an injury and Mookie Betts would be better than him rest of year. And I thought about you with this injury. That was one of your arguments, I think, in putting Betts ahead of Trout. He's, he's been a little injury prone. Um, but yeah, hopefully he can avoid the yeah, IL. I was I was on I was on the podcast Friday with a couple chuckleheads named Adam Azer and who was that other guy? Adam Dane Martinez. Dane, Dane Martinez, and they were both saying Charlie Blackman. They'd take Charlie Blackman over Mookie Betts. In How do you feel about that? Categories league, not points. Categories league. Blackman. Um, I don't think I agree, but I don't think it's outrageous. Blackman's been it's awesome not. and gets to play half his games, of course. <laughs> This course field the thing. reaction he disappointed me. <laughs> no, this course field thing is crazy. I mean, these games are insane. I want as many Rockies as I can get. I, like, I understand that they are terrible on the road, but you know, Blackman's not terrible on the road. Well, actually, I feel like he kind of has been terrible on the road. I'd still start him, but no, this course field is just ridiculous. Uh, all right, thank you, Heath, for not being too against it. Anyway, uh, Scherzer, I, I think should be back soon, right? I th- is there a chance he starts this week? With Scherzer, uh, I'm not led to believe it's a long injury this week. I, I think I, hmm, I'm I'm not sure. I haven't done the math on the days. You can tell I'm not a Max Scherzer owner. Um, well, he's definitely eligible to come off this week because you know okay. we have the All Star break. He could return as soon as Saturday, so that's a that's a risk when you're setting your lineups. It may be worth it because a waiver wire pitcher is liable to do zero for you anyway, negative. Make a negative impact. But if you have, like, you know, Michael Pineda on the waiver wire, then maybe you start him over Scherzer. Giancarlo Stanton is not close to returning to baseball activities. Brett Gardner has been hitting pretty well right uh, recently for the Yankees. If you need a hot hand play in a deeper league. Luis Severino needs six or more weeks to return, and Severino could come back as a reliever. So they want him to be a starter, but I think you should have pretty low expectations for Severino if you're still stashing him. Uh, Tampa Bay sent Brendan McKay to the minors after a very good start. Five scoreless innings with seven strikeouts against the Orioles. But McKay will be back, right? At some point. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't see why he wouldn't come back. They do have a seven-day week. So if they considered him part of the rotate, you know, it's not like he's the fifth guy and they're skipping him. See, he was up only for... The doubleheader, right? Yeah, he was the 26th And he man. had been sent yep. down like six days before that. So I no, wonder been... if the 10-day clock or the 15-day clock goes back to the first time that he was sent down. Because he was called up as a 26th man. Yeah, oh, the 26th man. It doesn't count. I right. wonder if they can send it back down and then pull him back up in like five days. They can. He, he, can, re- he can rejoin the team over the weekend. And I, I think there's a good okay. chance he does. So yeah. I just probably don't just know. a move to get a reliever or They're whatever. just playing chess. Yeah, he's 82% the rest owned. Of us are playing checker. I hope he pitches more than five innings. You know, 
but I don't know that he will. I going to be a lot of pitchers like that that Dylan. I don't sees think he will often. McKay, Lamette, you just hope for five good innings. Um, other news. Let's see. Brad Peacock had a setback with his shoulder, so that's a shame. He was supposed to pitch today. Not going to happen. Corey Kluber could throw a bullpen session within weeks. Eliezer Hernandez pitched out of the bullpen. Do we have anything definitive on the Marlins rotation? Yeah, I, I saw Craig at. Mish reporting Hernandez is going to the bullpen. So that's that's kind of unfortunate because he had probably been, at least in terms of ratios, I, I guess Yamamoto has a claim, but Hernandez had been better than Zach Allen. So that was that was an interesting decision. His ownership never rose above 20, I think, in CBS Sports Leagues, though. The kind of sneaky news. I saw a quote from Robinson Cano. He homered in two straight games over the weekend uh, against the Marlins in Miami. And he said, I think after the first home run, he said, I don't want to use it as an excuse, but I've been hit on the hit by a pitch on the hand twice this year, and my hand finally feels good. So it's something to keep an eye on or hand on. <laughs> and Robinson Maybe Cano, he should use it as an excuse. He was using it as an excuse. No. He was just saying. Yeah, it sounds like he is, for yeah, sure. Yeah, he 100% was. <laughs> I'll find the quote. Uh, Ken Giles has elbow soreness. And I think it's pretty clear that Daniel Hudson's going to be the closer if and when Ken Giles gets traded, assuming, you know, Ken Giles doesn't ruin his trade value with elbow soreness. And uh, Carlos Correa is now on the 60-day IL, so he cannot come back until July 26th. Guys, we had uh, two trades over the weekend. Boston acquiring Andrew Kashner and Oakland acquiring Homer Bailey. And what, if anything, did that do for you guys when in terms of Kashner and Bailey? Nope. <laughs> I don't. I don't think either are very good. Still, obviously, their their circumstances have changed. Especially Kashner. He's a two star pitcher with a very good team now. <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, I don't. He he's he has a decent ERA, but I don't. I don't really think the numbers back it up. Okay. And less important news. Uh, Heath, why don't you go ahead and read this so I can find the Robinson Cano quote? Wilson Contreras has a foot soreness. Is that what I wrote? Iron no, Boston I did not write that. I wrote foot some soreness. injuries. Yes. Eddie Rosario could be back Tuesday. Jesse Winker left with an injury. Danny Duffy bruised his hand. That's right. Dylan Bundy. Oh, I did write that. <laughs> wow. I did now, quit a The thing is, that. like these notes that you gave me, I feel like could have just been something that you forgot to take out of notes from a show a month ago. Every single one of these things sounds like something that happens regularly. Uh, except Contreras with the foot soreness. He played only one of three games. But yeah, the rest of it could be. Here's the quote from Cano. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed. Why are you doing this, computer? I don't know if you've noticed. But I've been hit twice in the hand this year, and that's not an excuse. Even if it's bothering me, I would never say anything. I always like to go out and be able to contribute anyway, anyhow. I would never use an excuse like that, but right now my hand feels really good. <laughs> that's that is exactly. such an excuse. That's so funny. But wow. It's interesting, it right? It would have been more helpful if he used that as an excuse weeks ago, and we could have been like, all right, well, we just won't play Robinson Cano until he says his hand feels better. And maybe, you know, maybe it's not, it's just a coincidence, you know. It, it may not fully explain it just because he homered twice in two games, but it may. It might. You know, it so uh, I had dropped Cano, I think, at every league I had him. I don't know what his ownership is down to. I think it's at about 75%. I, would, I think I'd be more inclined to add, like, Mike Brasso right now, though, than Cano. 
Oh, but you wouldn't drop Jay Bruce. For, no, I'm just kidding. Well, uh, come on, Jay fine. Bruce has 24 home runs. I don't oh, think that's... He's 50. a top 50 outfielder, Adam. You can't drop <laughs> top 50 outfielders just here and there. Cano is 57% owned. Wow, he's really down. Uh, you know what? Look, it, I think it's an interesting note. It's an interesting quote. It's a great excuse by Robinson Cano, and maybe it's kind of stuff makes a difference. Uh, we haven't really talked enough about players to add and drop, so let's get to that. But just other cool stuff. The Angels threw a combined no-hitter honoring Tyler Skaggs. It was really special, so... Um, that was amazing. And Tampa Bay nearly threw a combined perfect game, but Hanser Alberto break, broke it up with an incredibly weak base hit near the shift. A.J. Pollock homered yesterday. Might be excited about it. It was a three-run homer, I believe. It was uh, 326 feet, I believe. It was uh, about the shortest home run you can get in baseball near that stupid pesky pole in right field. And Fernando Tatis had an awesome slide. Look it up on CBSSports.com. When we come back, we'll talk about the most added list. We'll be right back on Fantasy Baseball today. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Most added players in CBS Sports Leagues. I think Ponce de Leon's number one. He is. And he's 30% owned now. It's just climbing. Alex Young, we already <laughs> talked about. Probably want to avoid that. 39% owned. Danny Salazar, 40% owned. So Chris is pretty interested in Danny Salazar. Uh, Heath, how about you? I'm trying to see if I can rekindle my fondness for Danny Salazar. Um, we've fought over him a lot. I was always on his side. I would love it if he came back. But we're in July. He's not thrown for, what, two years, and he's up to an inning in two-thirds. It's going to take a little more than this before I'm ready to add him. Okay. You you really just don't sound enthused at all. By the way, when you said you had to rekindle, I was I was like, is this a pun? Because Heath always makes puns. It's like does Danny Salazar like have a Kindle or something like? That? I didn't know, but I don't think it was a pun at all. Scott, no, you're looking at the most added list. Is there anyone there that you know that we haven't talked about that you are excited about? Because mm. I'm not really feeling it right now. Uh well. I mean, Roberto Perez seems underowned, especially considering he's a catcher. Uh, he plays very regularly for the for, for the Indians, more regularly than the average starting catcher. And he is hit for good power this year. I think his OPS is mid-800s. He's on about a 28-homer pace. Uh, probably deserves to be more owned than he is. Yeah, and I would say, like, we've talked about him plenty, but we haven't talked about him today. Danny Jansen, in my opinion, is still under own at 67%. It just looks like he's figured it out. It took a long time, but he's uh, 
he's been awesome for just about a month now. He Suddenly has, uh, it feels like there's a catcher surplus. Yes. Because the thing about catcher <laughs> is nobody's going to roster two, unless it's a two-catcher league, obviously. Nobody's going to roster two catchers because nobody would ever start a catcher at utility or any other position where they might be eligible. So there doesn't need to be that many for the spot to be filled completely filled in a league. And we may we may be getting to the point now where there's more than enough decent options to go around. It is almost certainly no big deal, but Danny Jansen did have a minor injury over the weekend. He sat on Saturday. He played again on Sunday. So it's probably 100% fine, but just something to check. Check the player news if you're picking up Danny Jansen. Brett Gardner has a 1,200 OPS in his last 11 games with four home runs uh, and two steals. So I don't really, I'm not really moved by it. It's not like he's leading off or anything like that. And he only has eight steals on the season. But what's his ownership percentage? 52%? Yeah, I don't know. That's that's approaching shallower leagues. Probably not. But yeah, what do you guys think about Gardner? He does play for the Yankees. Um, yeah, he's he's a fine fifth outfielder choice. I think they should retire his number. What do you think? Uh, probably <laughs> not because they're going to run out of numbers if they if they start retiring the Brett Gardners of the world. But I I I am surprised that he has over forty career WAR on Baseball Reference. I mean, that's not Hall of Fame level, but I would put Hall of Fame level as like. At like 60s, so he's like two-thirds of a Hall of Famer, Brett Gardner. There you go. Uh, and that's kind of surprising. Liam Hendricks is 76% owned. He's on the most added list. And Blake Trinan was bad again over the weekend. Hendricks has a is a solid grip on that job. Uh, Ramon Laureano, we haven't talked about him. He's 72% owned. Heath, as the guy who loved Ramon Laureano, are you surprised at how good he has been? No, this is pretty much exactly what I told everyone he was going to do. Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm a little surprised. But again, he's basically for his career now a 2020 guy with a 270 average. And I think that's what we talked about him being a couple of months ago. So I don't know that we've seen the very best of Ramon Laureano. And I think he should be owning more than 72% of leagues. I'd be starting him just about everywhere. Emilio Pagan got a one-out save over the weekend for the Rays. He's 34% owned. I mean, I mean, they had a three-headed monster. Now it's down to two. But Scott, who do you think yeah. leads leads the Rays in saves for the next like five weeks or so? I, I'm. This is not a guess being made with much confidence, but I have a feeling it's going to be Pagan because uh, uh, he's he's been so much better than Castillo now. The way as. Castillo was getting roughed up pretty regularly before going on IL. Diego Castillo was. And his season-long numbers don't look that good anymore. Um, Like, Pagan has been a better pitcher. But at the same time, I mean, how much of those struggles were tied to the injury? I can't say. The Rays have a better idea than I would. So, And just because they're the Rays and have been going this committee route all season, it wouldn't surprise me if they continued to. But I feel like Pagan deserves the chance to be the guy. Well, if the Rays viewed their best pitcher as the person they should use in the ninth inning. And I think they maybe more than any other team in baseball don't. So the fact that like, I feel like it's more likely if it's the eighth inning and it's a tight spot that they bring Pagan in because he's more likely to get out of it. And so I would call it a coin flip, but I have added Diego Castillo in a league or two. Okay. So it's more or less going to do it for the, uh, the most added list here. 
yeah, we're done. Sale fail. Let's talk about Chris Sale. A lot of high-end starting pitchers over the weekend, and most of them did pretty well, I'd say. But Chris Sale did not. Four and two-thirds, seven hits, five runs, one walk, seven strikeouts. He is now three and nine with a 427 ERA, 160 strikeouts to 27 walks, and 111 and two-thirds. That's amazing. But in his last four starts, Chris Sale has a 759 ERA. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a bad season and another bad stretch. Basically, it's like one terrible stretch to start the season, then 11 amazing Cy Young caliber starts, and now four bad starts in a row for Sale. So, Scott, where are we on Chris Sale? I still think he's a good pitcher, and if you are approaching him as he's not, I think it's going to be a big mistake because, yeah, 11 Cy Young caliber starts. Like, bad pitchers don't do that. Maybe bad pitchers can have an 11-start stretch with a low ERA, but not where they go 10, 14, 17, 10, 5, 10, 12, 10, 8, 10 with their strikeouts. That's just absurd. Uh, And even in this start, I'll point out that his average exit velocity was 81.5, which is his season average is 88.2. The league average is like 87. Like 81.5 is really low. He was not getting hit hard in this start. Interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to buy. I, I, I would definitely buy low. Definitely. I would definitely buy low. I think he's definitely been unlucky. I do think if you look at the peripherals, they show you a worse pitcher than he has been the last couple of years in Boston. Um, he's been a sub ERA three ERA guy in 2017 and 2018 in Boston is FIP X FIP Sierra are not below three. And I mean, last year his FIP was 1.98. So I think there's reason to think he's not quite as he's good as he's been the last two years. And there's reason to be a little bit concerned about the innings. He's well below six innings per start so far this season. He was below six innings per start last season. Yeah. I think there's reason to worry about him being top five the rest of the way, but I feel good about him being top 12. One other thing. It's well documented now, and it's the reason why the Red Sox approached sale this year the way they did. August uh, and September are his worst months. He usually is like superhuman. Maybe, he's gonna, maybe this is going to work, and he's going to peak in August now. It could be, but... I just want to bring that up because, you know, usually he's like superhuman for four months and then he's like fine, go, like above average, must start, but not Cy Young caliber for the last two months. They're trying to avoid that this year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So so would you rather have Sale or Zach Granke? I'd rather have Sale. And I want to mention, since Heath was kind of comparing Sale to Sale years past, um, you know, the XFIP sale has this year, 310, is fifth in baseball. He's the fifth lowest XFIP in baseball. I mean, Heath was saying he still views him as a top 10, so it's not that big of a disagreement, but just trying to add a little context there. Yeah, in a points league, I think I'd rather have Grinky. Okay. I want to look up Chris Sale's ERA by month. Here we go, ready? Career ERA, March and April, it's 322. May 269, June 256, July 268, August 316, September and October, not including the playoffs, so basically September 378. And we're moving on. 
Um, hitters. Are there, are there any other hitters you guys wanted to talk about? Can we talk about Yuli Gurriel? Six home runs, or six hits and two home runs over the weekend, continuing this amazing hot streak. Uh, is anybody buying into Yuli Gurriel? I think he's he probably is a better power hitter because his ground ball rate is way down this year, and that's been true since the beginning. Uh, what's What really happened here this month is home run to fly ball rate has just gone through there. I mean, he's hit a lot of home runs. I don't think that's surprising to say that's gone through the roof, but it was way down earlier this year, his home run to fly ball rate. He was underachieving in that regard. So uh, I think he was probably, I mean, he's obviously overperforming now, but I think he was underperforming earlier and particularly in points leagues where you're not losing points for the strikeouts. He's starting to get to be a pretty interesting option. Max Kepler homered in five straight at bats versus Trevor Bauer over two starts. That's incredible. Uh, Kevin Newman. I'm going to say some names, and you tell me your interest in picking them up. Pirates infielder Kevin Newman. Unfortunately, he's not leading off every day. He's only leading off against lefties at the moment, as Adam Frazier's leading off. But what's your interest level in picking up Kevin Newman? When I wrote about uh, rookies and how like ranking the rookies the rest of the season, I had a lot of Pirates fans get upset about having Brian Reynolds ranked too low because he was hitting like 360. I'm more excited about Kevin Newman's potential batting average than I am Brian Reynolds. I do think at 52% ownership, he is very close to as owned as he should be, so I'm not particularly interested in picking him up. How about, Scott, Danny Santana? I just feel like if they wanted to play Danny Santana every day, they easily could for Texas. He's batting 309 with 11 home runs and 11 steals as a part-time player. It just keeps producing. Danny Santana, 35% owned. Yeah, they could. They are They are kind of feeling a, a pinch there because, uh, you know, of course, Gallo's back, and so finding Willie Calhoun at bats has been a challenge. Uh, but, you know, Azdrubal Cabrera is not that good. Ronald Guzman, I think, is just plain bad. So right. they could right. find more bats for Santana. I'm hesitant to think they're going to. Jason Hayward, 383 batting average with five home runs in his last 16 games. You know, thanks. He's been, um, I, <laughs> I feel like he's been <laughs> I feel like he's been better than we give him credit for this year I mean he obviously isn't like Jason Hayward at his best like we saw during some of those Atlanta years but uh, I I mean he's become an okay power source again for a guy with great plate discipline I think it's he's at least good enough to consider in a fifth outfielder spot in a roto league and you know head-to-head lineups are so small that it's hard for him to fit in there but I don't think you're embarrassing yourself if you have to start Jason Hayward especially if it's a week where he faces a bunch of righties I don't really buy the increase in power. He's got an 18% home run to fly ball ratio. His career is 11.2. It was 6.2 last year. The hard hit rate per fan graphs is up a little bit. I think it's like 34%, but it's still below average based on the current environment. And that 18% home run to fly ball ratio does not look real. Why Why does it not look real? <laughs> like, um, why, yeah. It, because he's probably had it's, that before. It's nearly well, double what he's been for the last three or four years, and there's not yeah. been a, a corresponding increase in how hard he's hitting the ball to make me think that's real. 
Okay, but it is, I mean, he is hitting the ball a lot harder. Well, he's hitting the ball hard. He's hitting the ball a little harder. Last year, he had a 30% hard contact rate. He's at 34% this year. That's, yeah, that's the, an increase. The, the two years before that was it's like 25%. Look at the soft contact rate, how much lower the soft contact rate is. That has gone down a little bit. Yeah, I mean, 18% is probably a little high. His career high previously was 17%, but usually it was like 13, 12, and then got to the Cubs and really bad. Okay, fine. Uh, but, you know, it's interesting. Like, he's having... Jason Hayward is having a nice little year. 275, 359, 474. That's not bad. And If he, he was has, having this year in 2015, right. I probably would have said something different. Right. It's just not like, again, go to his player page and look at his fantasy points. And he's, it just, he's strictly a deep league guy. It, well, ba- based on what he's 60 done. 60 outfielder? I'm going to say yes. I'm going to count. Okay. <laughs> You do points, and I'll do Roto. <laughs> Meanwhile, okay. um, Scott, you see my notes on the bullpen? In the notes I sent you? Uh, your notes on the bullpen. The Let me section find your notes. Yes, I see the notes on the bullpen. All right, while we count Jason Hayward and where he ranks at outfield, why don't you talk about any bullpen developments that might have been interesting from over the weekend? Okay, so A.J. Minter got a save for the Braves on Sunday. Luke Jackson worked on both... Uh, Friday and Saturday and was pretty shaky as he's been for a while now. Problem is, I don't think AJ Minter has been much better since returning from the minors. Didn't have a strikeout and recording the save Sunday. So I'm not sure any change is happening there. I still think Jackson's the Braves best option. Hector Neris has been shaky himself, a blown save on Saturday and uh, has been giving up some home runs lately. Uh, he I bounced mean, the back. Phillies were. He bounced back nicely on Sunday. Struck out the side and got the win. I was getting he a little did, worried about Hector Neris. I'm still a little worried about Hector Neris. I don't uh, know. And, and the thing is, if if it if it's not him closing, it's probably a committee because the Phillies were kind of leading the charge before they settled on Neris. Yeah. Unless, so we're we, we all should be rooting for Hector Neris. Unless David Emilio Robertson, uh, unless David Robertson comes back in a few weeks and they give him the job. But you're right. Let's root for Neris. I think so. Uh, Emilio Pagan, we talked about him. He got the save Sunday. And I think he's probably the first choice, but that's not saying much, given the way the Rays have handled their bullpen. Daniel Hudson, Adam mentioned that he would probably be the choice to replace Ken Giles if he goes on the IL or if he gets traded. Uh, not that that's particularly exciting, especially since the Blue Jays have had a hard enough time giving Giles save chances. But Daniel Hudson, name to know in leagues where saves are scarce. All right. Well done, Scott. You guys you. done counting? Yeah. Yet? I will point out that Hayward has averaged more fantasy points per game this year than Ramon Laureano. Uh, so whatever that's worth. I, I owe him an apology. He is a top 40 outfielder in points, and he has been better than Jay Bruce this season. I apologize, Jason Hayward. <laughs> well, look, plate discipline is a big deal in points leagues. He has 40 walks to 61 strikeouts. He is uh, 46th in Roto at outfield, just behind Nomar Mazzara and Framil Reyes, just ahead of He's Ken no Pilar. Alex Gordon or Cole Calhoun, but he has been on a per-game basis. He's... Uh, that's surprising because he's not scored as many fantasy points as Jason ha- as Ramon Laureano this year. He's played eight fewer games. He should okay. play more. He should, right? Wow. Uh, let's talk about some starting pitchers. Yeah, right now. Here we go. I was going to take a break, but let's just keep going. Studs being studs, part one. These guys were studs over the weekend. 
Noah Syndergaard at Miami. Aaron Nola, he did walk four, but he continues a really hot start. .76 ERA in his last five starts. A hot stretch for Aaron Nola. Mike Soroka had one of his best starts. Seven scoreless with nine strikeouts. Padres strike out a lot, but Soroka got him nine times. Nine times. Domingo Herman. I'm telling you, this guy's really good. Domingo Herman. Uh, Syndergaard, Nola, Soroka, Herman. Anything on those fellas? Fellas? I, so Syndergaard, uh, and he talked about how his slider was the best it's been all year. The numbers back that up. He had a season-high 20 swinging strikes, and a lot of it had to do with that slider. If that's if that's a pitch he rediscovers, then hopefully that can get his season back on track the way Aaron Nola's gotten his season on track. That's probably the biggest observation I have. Soroka, I mean, if he struck out nine in seven innings, if he can do that more consistently, then I think we're, we'd be reluctant to call him a sell high, as we were calling him last week. I was just going to say that the uh, the market for Mike Soroka and Domingo Herman just got a little better. I would be trying to sell both. I understand why so Soroka. You you made the case for Soroka. You know you don't expect the strike. He's got 82 strikeouts and 96 and a third. He's ground ball hit pitcher. Blah, blah blah. Can we talk about Herman because he had three bad starts during which he was pitching with a hip injury. Every other start, 227 ERA. Rest of season, you take those three bad starts out for Herman, which, by the way, is slightly higher than Mike Soroka's 224 ERA. So, you know, what is yeah. it about them that's saying so high? Yeah, I was I was actually about to ask Keith what his grape was with Herman because I don't, I I can understand Soroka as a sell high too, but I Herman uh, seems pretty good to me. I worry about Herman's innings on a per start basis. I worry about Herman's innings. Um, for the over the, how he finishes the season, his peripherals show him as more of a like. If you're saying is he a mid three ZRA pitcher, I think he is. But I do think there are people out there who will say, man, he was so good at the beginning of the year. He's been so good lately. This guy might be a borderline ace, and I want to try to take advantage of that because I don't believe that he is. I, I think he's a five to six inning starting pitcher with decent strikeout numbers and not a not a lot of innings. I think that makes perfect sense. I mean, look, let's be let's just be obvious for a second. If you could trade Domingo Armand for Chris Sale, you do it. If you can trade Domingo Armand and like oh, yeah. Michael Conforto for Chris Sale, you do it. You know, I get that. Um, Matt Boyd, I'd, I'd I'd trade him for Matt Boyd. I'd trade him for Clevenger or Wheeler. I do think the innings are yeah, interesting. I mean, they they talked about like if the Yankees acquire another starting pitcher. Would that bump or I that was written just in an article? Would that bump or out of the rotation? That was an insane thought to me. But he is ba- he is coming <laughs> up on last year's innings total. Like he's one start away from last year's innings total. So I, I could see him yeah. missing starts at some point. I I saw a Yankees beat writer refer to him earlier this year as the team's de facto ace. But I, I guess if innings are the thought there about potentially bumping him, um. Yeah, maybe maybe that maybe that would be the case. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, if you can aim that high with Herman, I wasn't thinking that high. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, a little behind Zach Wheeler in terms of where I rank him. But sure, if you want to aim high foot for him, the fact he has an eleven and two record, I think, helps in a lot of ways. I do think he's. I think you, be I think you could possibly trade him for Herman Marquez in some leagues. I would not. I'd rather have Herman. Right. Herman, I would do Herman trade. I'd rather have Herman. Her, Herman. Marquez. I'd rather have Domingo Herman than Herman oh, Marquez. Wrong. 
Is it? I mean, I'd rather yeah. have a guy who could start all the time than a guy who could only start at half his starts. And Armand Scott, probably has a better K rate. He's a better I, K rate. I would start Marquez. I mean, I would rather have Marquez. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, more studs being studs. Part two. Part two. Oh, how about this? Let me get, let me get the exact stat up. This is the mesmerizing stat. John Gray versus Sonny Gray on Friday. They both did great. We'll talk about Sonny Gray in a second. But studs being studs. Part two. John Gray, Jose Quintana, Robbie Ray, who has six quality starts in his last eight starts after one quality start in his first ten starts. Robbie Ray is on fire. And Hugh Darvish had a great start against Pittsburgh. Six scoreless with one walk and eight strikeouts. And that's six straight starts with two or fewer walks. Um, so, be a lot of home runs, but the walks are down for Darvish. John Gray, Jose Quintana, Robbie Ray, you Darvish. What are your thoughts on that group of four? Is John Gray the Rockies ace again? Who else would it? Oh, uh, who? Herman Marquez. Herman uh, Marquez. I'm proud of I, I mean, I'd rather have Marquez, but John Gray has certainly gotten his season back on track here. I was disappointed that not more was made of the Gray-Gray matchup. It was on that, Friday. That's what I was trying to get because it was historic. It was like it was the first matchup ever of Gray versus Gray, and it was the first matchup. Let, let me instead of guessing, let me just find what it was because it's pretty cool. But please talk about this group as I scan. Yeah, Robbie Ray, uh, his last eight starts, his BB per nine is down to three point nine, which is not a good rate. But for Robbie Ray, uh, the past two seasons, 3.9 per nine. I mean, you'll take that. That's that's how he can end up having so many quality starts. And with as many bats as he misses, you know, if there's any pitcher who can survive four walks per nine, it's him. It's just when he gets into five walks per nine territory that I think you have, you run into issues. Uh, you Darvish was very impressive in this latest start. And... I know I've gone back and forth on him so many times. I think I'm about to the point where I probably just want to leave him in my lineup. Last eight starts at 394 ERA, uh, whip below one with more than a strikeout per inning. Now, he doesn't have a win during that eight-start stretch, but I got to feel like that's not his fault. It, you know, it doesn't help from your how you feel about you, Darvish, if you have been owning him and starting him because wins are the most valuable thing a pitcher can give in fantasy. But he's pitching like a guy who deserves to win some. So I think he's good enough to to be in lineups again. I think this is a really interesting group, and I'm going to do a pretty massive rankings update today, but I think this is a really, really interesting group to rank rest of season. Go for it. I would go Gray, Ray, Darvish, and Quintana distant fourth. That's how I have them currently ranked. Um, I I'm tempted to put Ray ahead of Gray, uh, and I think Darvish could be knocking on their door any moment now. Yeah. Let's not forget Darvish was yeah. the player I loved in the preseason. So if I have to wait four months for him to be good, I'm still going to claim victory. This was the first game ever between. Two Grays, who spelled their name the same way, but two Grays regardless, I believe. And it was the first time uh, since 1933 that two pitchers started against each other with the same color as a last name with the same spelling. That was Jumbo Brown versus Lloyd Brown of the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry back in 1933. So, amazing. What is that? Studs being studs part three. 
Eduardo Rodriguez dominated the Dodgers. Ten strikeouts, seven innings, one run. Marcus Stroman, I'll call him a stud. He struck out seven Yankees, gave up three runs in six innings. Brendan McKay, Sonny Gray. Sonny Gray, I mean, seven innings, one run, nine strikeouts at Colorado. Amazing. Yanni Chirinos was also good. So we had Eduardo Rodriguez, Marcus Stroman, Brendan McKay, Sonny Gray, and Yanni Chirinos. Uh, that group, guys. I don't have a lot to say. Like I said, I think everything I have to say about Sonny Gray last week. I'm excited about Yanni Chirinos and Brennan McKay. Marcus Stroman just kind of is what he is. The guy that's just so maddening is Eduardo Rodriguez because he, you just you know he's going to do this on a semi-regular basis, and I we should fully expect his next outing is going to be five innings with five to six runs allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I have no idea what to do with Eduardo Rodriguez, and I just mostly don't want to have him on my team because I feel like I'm always going to start him at the wrong time. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if by all the the ways I evaluate pitchers, you know, I'm ignoring ERA, I'm ignoring sort of the traditional stats and just trying to assess them on the underlying stats. Eduardo Rodriguez should be great. He has an elite swinging strike rate. He had 22 swinging strikes in this start. But yeah, it doesn't back it up. Doesn't pitch with enough consistency to treat him as anything more than a fringe option. So he's kind of the outlier in this group, especially since Sonny Gray has been going deeper into games. That's really been the one issue for him this year, but seems to be turning around. Rodriguez is... Is that a 10-4 and four record he has, though? Is that is that what that bottom number is? 10-4 and four it, record? It's so dumb if it is. He does. He is Chris Sale's like 3-11. Well, Chris Sale hasn't been good. It's, Chris Sale's been better than what we're arguing Rodriguez. Yeah, okay, but they, yeah. so they both, like... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's true, but Chris Sale has not been good. Um, yeah, it's weird. Like, it's annoying. You Darvish cannot get a decision to save his life. Like he never gets a decision, especially at Wrigley Field. Yeah. And Eduardo yeah. Rodriguez has ten wins. That's that's hilarious. Uh, all right, so I think we're pretty much done. Let's talk about like three more guys. Finally, studs being studs. Part four is two guys: Mike Fires and Julio Tehran. <laughs> Mike Fires. This is like fourteen good starts now. This is 14 starts in a row, or his, his last 14 starts, his ERA is under 250. And then Julio Tehran, I just it just needs to be brought up because, uh, you know, it's fun for Heath to it's fun for Heath. for Heath to say things that. Who would you rather have? I Heath think, I think Mike Byers is better than Julio Tehran. <laughs> wow! <laughs> wow! Yeah. I don't know. Fire Fires is annoying in the opposite way. Eduardo Rodriguez is annoying because by every metric I use to evaluate pitchers apart from like ERA, he's really, really bad. XFIP over five. Fires or yeah. Tehran? Well, I, I, I guess both, but Fires, you know, Fires is averaging, I think, less than 5K per nine during this incredible quality start streak he's on. Like he's, he's going to get pummeled here very soon. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, hopefully tomorrow we can talk about Dallas Keuchel and Matt Boyd, who, you know, 10 more strikeouts, but four more runs in seven innings. It seems like we're, we're still like Matt Boyd quite a bit. Keuchel mm-hmm. making me look bad. Three straight starts of seven innings um, or seven and a third. Combined five earned runs. We'll see what happens at Milwaukee this week. We'll see what happens. But um, The, the uh, list has gotten shorter. Do we have time to do the quick list of pitchers with a worse XFIP than Julio Tehran? <laughs> sure. 
Reynaldo Lopez, Aaron Sanchez, Mike Fires, Trevor Richards, Sandy Alcantara, Marco Gonzalez. Well, then you have to take back what you just said. If Mike, you cannot say Mike Fires is better than Julio Teran. <laughs> you can't do You're it. right. We're both terrible. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks a lot for listening, everybody. Uh, I'm sorry we didn't get to more pictures. I'll try to. Uh, I have three more pages of notes. I'll try to get them in tomorrow's show. For Scott and for Heath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Baseball Today.